Welcome to the All Music Books Deep Dive Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about two things that are near and dear to my heart. Reggae music and album cover design. Via two reviews of books on this subject, I wrote for allmusicbooks.com. Growing up in Miami, I was exposed to reggae early, strictly AM radio, mind you, but also through punk rock. The Clash's 1977 release, White Man and Hammersmith Palais, name-checked some legendary and revolutionary artists, all of whom's records I searched relentlessly for. They were hard to find and usually pretty beat up, but there were some really cool covers and, of course, incredible music. If there are any lingering questions over the primacy and influence of the LP format for imaging musical artists, it ends with a countless series of books that collect the best and the worst of cover artwork of a genre. Jazz, heavy metal, country, almost every genre has had their day. And now, stir it up, reggae album cover art focuses on the Jamaican output of the art form. Early reggae music was totally different from classic rock in every conceivable way. While the tiny island's music industry followed U.S. tradition in many ways, it also expressed its own uniquely Jamaican voice, combining politics, humor, frank sexuality, and sexism, and a socialist-leaning revolutionary agenda. The early blue beat and ska periods are my favorite, utilizing simple silkscreens, very creative uses of type, and economic production techniques such as split fountain fills and duotones. Design jargon aside, these covers are just plain fun, perfectly communicating the simple pleasure of dancing under the hot sun to a good groove, and very reminiscent of early American R&B covers. The growth of Rasta ideology and African repatriation pushed the artwork into a new direction. The continent of Africa, Emperor Haile Selassie, and the ubiquitous Lion of Judah took center stage. These basic themes are explored in a myriad of ways and as fairly high-concept works of art, some more successful than others. Photographs of dreadlocked musicians and brethren, usually featuring a spliff in hand and a huge cloud of smoke, also became popular and represent the visual gateway many associate with classic reggae. Big Use, Natty Cultural Dread, Bob Marley's Natty Dread, and Freddie McGregor's Bobby Babylon are iconic covers of this era. These, to me, were clear indications that this was definitely not your parents' music. You see? What goes up, never come down. Cause true love will never die. Till the mother's on a lady way. Till the mother's on a lady way. Wasn't there a Bob Marley Catch a Fire release packaged in a huge Zippo lighter? There was, and that was very cool. The original is a collector's item by now, and I think it's been re-released, but that's a pretty famous one, so good call on that. Yeah, it's got to be a collector. It was amazing. Uh, And then, of course, Bic joined the party later with their eight-pack Bob Marley edition of pocket lighters, which are actually quite cool. There's another lesson is never, ever miss an opportunity to cross market. 
illustration and collage were huge as well, running the course from the earliest periods of Jamaican music all the way through the dance hall era of the late 80s and early 90s. Many of these illustrations showcase Jamaica's famous sense of humor, bodiness, and their affection for American westerns and gangster movies. Everyone knows the harder they come. But check out Ranking Toyin's stone-cold classic, How the West Was Won, an absolutely perfect marriage of concept, style, and illustration. It remains one of my favorite record covers ever, and in fact is framed in my house. Tony Wright's classic illustrations for the band Third World created a brand unto itself. Others, not without charm, err on the amateurish side. And yes, I'm talking to you, yellow man. However, this tiny and most musical of islands was not immune to the explosion and popularity reggae enjoyed in the late 70s. The Stones, Eric Clapton, and the UK punk rockers were early fans. And as always, right behind an uptick in popularity comes record labels, money and dreams of the next big thing, immediately followed by the softening of the militant and ganja stances, and in many cases the music into something that was more palatable to Western ears and crossover tastes. Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing, but maybe also obvious that they all went there, used the local producers, sometimes local musicians, but the covers were still pretty straight-ahead mainland, right? 100%. The labels would not have had it otherwise, as you might have guessed. And, and one can easily trace this progression in the Bob Marley catalog alone, the more popular he became, the slicker and more professional the album covers became, culminating in Kaya, Marley's most commercial album, both in image and music, and lyrical content. One only need look at the bazillion selling compilation Legend, which could just as easily have been an Elton John, Rod Stewart, or any other pop superstar album for evidence. It's a great album cover, and it is a greatest hits, but there is no threatening third world revolutionary effect here. By this time, the label's marketing plan aimed at Top 40 Radio, and it was in full effect. Like all genres, there's good and bad presented in this book, and beauty is always in the eye of the beholder. Stir It Up serves as a visual timeline and a graphic tour through the history of Jamaica, and it does its job well. And if all you know about reggae album covers is the aforementioned legend, you really need to get this book if only to see The Best Dressed Chicken in Town by Dr. Alimentado. It's a classic, ghetto tough and anything but freshly scrubbed for easy consumption. It is a cover you won't soon forget. <laughs> it's so classic. And the record is fully packed with local stars of the day. And it ha seems to have legs, too. All the subsequent re-releases stay true to the original cover art, which I assume is pretty rare. Well... Uh, there is simply no improving on that thing. It is a stone classic. You're listening to All Music Podcasts, a member of Pantheon Media. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out. 
because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Another visual retrospective is perhaps more aimed at the collector. It's a hardcover book from UK reissue label Soul Jazz that focuses exclusively on the Studio One album cover body of work. Now, Studio One's history and importance is unrivaled in Jamaica, and they stand shoulder to shoulder with the great record labels of the world, like Stax and Motown. Reggae historian Steve Barrow gives a brief but excellent history of Coxon Dodd, the founder of Studio One, and an overview of the music industry of Jamaica at the outset of the album cover art of Studio One Records. Do not skip it. However, the piece that follows is also called the album cover art of Studio One Records, and it was written by soul jazz record founder Stuart Baker. It is much less satisfying provides a brief history of the designers who worked with the label, but unfortunately it's often vague and unfocused. It's okay, but it's not the ideal entry point for what follows. And what follows is pretty impressive. This is an LP-sized book divided into five sections, artist albums, dub sounds, calypso albums, gospel albums, and showcase albums, plus a section at the end simply called Version. Reproduction quality of the album covers is very, very good. And there's sure to be some titles here that even the hardest core collector will scratch their heads at. My problem with the book is there's no real rhyme or reason for the selections or sequencing, and no editorial is provided. Titles are presented simply with artist credits, album title, year, and musician, and the designer, sometimes. Some provide a bit more detail, maybe the printer, the edition, or the sleeve notes, but it's maddeningly inconsistent and random. The sequencing makes little sense to me as well. It's neither strictly chronological or grouped by creative themes or typography, but rather kind of and sort of. Yeah, losing me there, but <laughs> so is the book, okay. I guess, huh? No, it's, 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 um, no, it's anybody can flip through this book and appreciate what it is. Of course, you know, for someone like me, I'm always looking for inspiration and reason, right, right. you know, to, to figure out why I like it or perhaps why. I, All right, I'll give it a shot. Or perhaps why I hate it. Here's one you'll like. Uh, I really need an explanation as to why the horrid 1982 Lone Ranger album cover, Bada Den Dem, with its not very good Star Wars style illustration, is placed between Jackie Matu's classic 1972 release and 1968's Never Grow Old by the Maytals. 
Likewise, the R&B-flavored Alton Ellis cover sits uncomfortably next to a Cecil Lloyd trio that's clearly visually on the jazzier tip. On the other hand, it's pretty obvious that the Freddie McGregor title that follows Lenny Hibbert's is a variation on a theme, and it makes perfect sense. I find those so much more satisfying to look at uh, because it gives you some kind of continuance and uh, context. I get you. These are all some great album covers, uh, and most of the dub stuff are my favorites because they have these distressed silk screens that are just fantastic. And then there's my favorite section again, Blue Beat Special, which you'll almost certainly recognize. There's also some truly horrid stuff. Reggae in the grass is as bad as it sounds. <laughs> and oddly, the gospel albums from Jamaica look a lot like many of the religious handouts you still see today from a design standpoint. Who knew? But by far, my favorite section is the final one. Version lines up, literally, several different iterations of the same album and various designs, and it's really cool to see. Some present wildly different visions, and some present similar but alternate covers where it's hard to choose between the two. Be sure to check out Hot Shot Ska by the Soul Brothers. Good stuff. The album cover art of Studio One Records is a worthy, if pricey, collection of eye candy. But unfortunately, without any context and analysis, it just left me wanting. But ultimately, writing about album covers is a bit like dancing about architecture, to steal a phrase. Sometimes, you just have to see it to believe it. Google some of these aforementioned covers, but start with A Taste of Jamaica, which is the title of my review on allmusicbooks.com. It is a classic by Calypso Joe. Look out, Herb Alpert. If you're interested in picking up either of these books, please consider going through allmusicbooks.com and our sponsored Amazon link. You can also read the full reviews for each book there. And please go check us out on Spotify for many playlists. And there's a playlist on this. It is good stuff. We're out until the next time. And thanks again for tuning in to Deep Dive, an allmusicbooks.com podcast, and now a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.